So did you see this report about Nebraska? What an embarrassment for the Cornhuskers. My goodness. So uh, Nebraska's under NCAA investigation. Uh, if you missed the story this week, I mean, it's been a terrible week for Nebraska and a worse week for head coach Scott Frost. So Nebraska is under NCAA investigation, according to Action Network's Brett McMurphy. And he was just with that Watch Stadium group. So I don't know. He left for the Action Network. And uh, according to the report, the university has significant video footage of practice violations in the presence of the coaching staff. And also during the pandemic, when the NCAA prohibited organized athletic activities, Nebraska allegedly moved its strength workouts to an off-campus location to avoid being detected. These workouts were held by the Nebraska strength and conditioning staff, but it's not known if the NCAA is investigating these specific allegations. So it's been a terrible week for Nebraska. By the way, I'm Pete Mundo. We're heartlandcollegesports.com. Of course, our Big 12 website. We are just a couple of weeks away from the season being here. Can't wait. And we appreciate you guys joining us. If you're on the podcast, leave that rating, review, subscribe to it, and you'll get a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. So uh, the other part of this report that came down from Brett McMurphy, which is more interesting to Big 12 fans, but there's a couple of thoughts I have here related to the Big 12. It was apparently Scott Frost who wanted out of the Oklahoma game. Remember that a few months ago, uh, there was rumors and there were reports that Nebraska wanted out of the OU game on September 18th. And they tried to cover it up by saying, well, we want to enter an extra home game. You know, the local economy was hit hard by COVID last year. So we want to help our people up here in Lincoln. They got so much blowback that uh, they basically came out and were like, all right, fine, we're not going to cancel it. Well, apparently that from head coach Scott Frost. Now, this guy, if you recall, Scott Frost was, I mean, cream of the crop. This guy went to UCF. You know, he had that team in, what, a New York Six Bowl, I believe it was. And then he goes back to his alma mater, Golden Boy, at Nebraska, going to turn around that program. All of a sudden, Bo Pelini's, you know, nine and three seasons don't seem so bad, huh? They, they don't. Uh, now you got Scott Frost, who is tied up in this NCAA investigation, and then tried to cancel the OU game on what was and what is the 50th anniversary of the 1971 Oklahoma-Nebraska game of the century. I mean, you can't look any worse than Scott Frost looks in this deal. So basically, they shot for a replacement, and Scott Frost, the head coach, was in favor of removing the Oklahoma game. The AD at the time, Bill Moose, who's a traditionalist, was like, eh, not wild about it. I get why you want to do it, but not wild about it. And basically, the public relationship was so bad, they they reversed course on that, as they should have. I mean, that was – and Frost is doing it because he's got to save his job heading into year four, right? But, boy, that is so weak. So, uh, whatever the spread is on that game, take Oklahoma to cover. Something tells me – that, you know, Lincoln Riley's never going to say anything publicly. But something tells me that this was the nail in the coffin for Nebraska in this game. And OU is going to make them look so silly, so ridiculous, and is going to run up that score. And Lincoln Riley's not a guy that 
at least my hunch is Lincoln Riley doesn't try to run up scores. I mean, he's got an offense that he's got. I don't think he's typically a guy that tries to blow up the scoreboard and make a team or another coach look bad. I don't think that's who Lincoln Riley is based on my experience, or at least based on, you know, covering him for the last several years. But something tells me uh, that might be a little bit different for Nebraska this year based on, you know, these reports that came out. But with all that being said, and and some of you are going to say this is completely nuts, but hear me out here. If there was ever a time for Nebraska to be vulnerable, for the Big Ten to be fed up with them because they haven't really brought to the table what people thought they were going to bring to the table, the football programs in shambles, if there was ever a time that you might consider poaching a team and a team might consider leaving, I'm not saying this is likely. I don't think it is. I still am going to sit here and say it's pie in the sky. It would take three to tango, really. It would take the Big 12 to say, hey, come on home. It would and be an anchor in our league. It would take the Big Ten to say, you know, Nebraska, this just this just isn't working. We're done with you. All right, we're, we're done. Sayonara, see you later. And it would take Nebraska to say, you know, this really hasn't worked out for us outside of the paycheck. If those three things happened, why is it crazy to think that Nebraska may not be a fit back in the Big 12? And the Big 12 shouldn't at least make a call and see what the interest is there. And say, hey, you come back here, you're the anchor of this league, your pipeline to Texas is back, you're playing down in Texas, fine, it's not the paycheck of the Big Ten, but you can help us rebuild this league and let's see who wants to come along with you. Maybe it's Colorado, maybe it's you know some of the Arizona schools. I get it that the Big 12 is the most vulnerable right now, and it would take something crazy for this to happen. But I view it like a stock. Buy low. And... You know, a decade ago, the Big Ten bought high on Nebraska. They were playing for Big 12 title games, and Dominican Sue, remember that game against Texas, that crazy Big 12 championship game? You were buying high with Nebraska 10 years ago. Now the Big 12 will be buying low, but knowing that the ceiling is still very high, especially back in the Big 12, which is how Nebraska fans should look at it. You get your rivalries back. I mean, Nebraska, Iowa State, if Nebraska could get back to, you know, being competitive, and Iowa State with Matt Campbell, I mean, that's that's a fun theoretical, whether it's Big 12 North or just Big 12 matchup, whatever it might be. That's great. You bring back K-State. Uh, you know, you got them in the mix. You'd still have Kansas if they can get things back on track. I mean, you bring back some rivalries. Maybe a Colorado's interested. I, I know that this is not likely. I, I will repeat it because some of you are screaming that this is crazy talk. And I understand that. But let's also just say if there was ever a time that something like this might work, this would be it. It would make some sense. And uh, just never say never. If there's one thing we've learned the last few weeks, all right, never say never. And that's what the approach should be uh, for this league right now as it considers what its future is going to be. And you know what? Uh, why not make the call? I mean, Bob Bowlesby it could do something aggressive for once in his life that doesn't uh, seem reactive, Right. I mean, I love that he's going after ESPN, but he's been very reactive to all of this, and uh, proactive would be a good thing. So eh, just something I'm throwing out there and making you think about, and you can share that one with your buddies and see what they think. Meantime, the Big 12 this week also uh, released its plans regarding game scheduling. Remember, last year was a mess with COVID, right? You had games being postponed, rescheduled, canceled. I mean, it was all over the map. So... The Big 12 released a statement this week. 
The conference has set its game threshold policy for the upcoming season. In the event a conference game is canceled due to a team not having enough student athletes to compete due to COVID-19 or for any other reason, that team will forfeit and will be credited with a loss in the conference standings. The opponent will be credited with a win in the conference standings. Both teams will be deemed to have played the game for purposes of conference standings only. Adding a forfeit can be declared at any point before a completed contest and when possible would occur prior to the visiting team commencing travel. Additionally, if both teams are unable to compete, a no contest will be declared, and if needed, an unbalanced tiebreaker will be utilized to determine conference championship participants in football or championship seedings in other sports. The commissioner retains discretion to declare a no contest if extraordinary circumstances warrant. Long and short of this is COVID's not postponing games this year. It may cancel a game if you know how the players suit up, but it's not canceling a game. Now, here's what I hope happens when it comes to college football this year, and this is what really should happen. If a guy tests positive, fine, I understand he can't play. But this whole thing about how, you know, if a guy tests positive, if he ate lunch at a table the day prior with 10 other guys, they can't play. I mean, if all of those guys are vaccinated, that just seems crazy to me, especially if they test negative. If they test negative, then, then uh, stop. All right? I mean, I understand we were in a different place a year ago at this time. I'm, I'm very cognizant of that. I understand it. And um, I appreciated the want to keep everybody safe. And I still do. But knowing what we know today, having a vaccine today, you can't sit there and say, well, you know, uh, wide receiver Johnny Jones tested positive for COVID and he's not vaccinated, which, you know, it seems like most vaccination rates on these college teams are anywhere from 75 to 90 percent. So if the one unvaccinated guy doesn't get it, uh, the vaccinated guy who he had lunch with the day prior to me should not be punished on this. I mean, that that just seems like it would be common sense unless he also tests positive, which is possible. We understand that this, you know. We've seen people that have gotten the vaccine also test positive. Of course, there are little to no symptoms, most likely. But unless that guy tests positive, it would seem to me that the best way to go about this is to still let the other players play. To continue the policy from last year is, in many ways, not believing in the science. And I hope that college football recognizes that as we gear up for the 2021 campaign. That's that's my hope as we move forward here. Now, we've got some new odds, by the way, I want to touch on. Conference futures, as we are a couple of weeks out from the season. Oklahoma is a 1-2 to two favorite, so big-time favorite for Oklahoma. That means you put down $20 to win 10 all right, not, not exactly a great bet there, but understandable. They've won six straight. They deserve to be the favorites again. They're the number two team in the preseason polls in the AP. Uh, but, you know, in terms of a value bet, it's not a great value bet at one to two. Once again, not two to one, one to two, meaning 20 bucks to win 10 or 200 bucks to win 100. Uh, Iowa State is five to two. That means 20 bucks wins you 50. Texas is 15 to two. I mean, that's a bad bet. That's a a bad bet. You don't know who the quarterback's going to be. You got a new head coach, new system, and I I, I think that Steve Sarkeesian could do a better job than Tom Herman was doing. I firmly believe that. But the third best odds in the Big 12 is is surprising to me. The other worst bet is Kansas at 250-1. to 
one dollar wins you two hundred and fifty. I mean, that's a bad bet. It, it could be a thousand to one, and it'd be a bad bet for Kansas to win the league. I mean, that's that's just. I, and I'm really not trying to rag on him, but I think even a KU fan would tell you, if you're a KU fan, would you put down ten dollars on on KU to win twenty five hundred? I mean, go buy yourself a sandwich on Mass Ave uh, or Mass Street there in Lawrence. I mean, please. Don't waste your money like that. That's just throwing money out the window. Oklahoma State's fourteen to one. TCU's fourteen to one. West Virginia is twenty-five to one. Kansas State is thirty-three to one. Baylor's fifty to one. Texas Tech is sixty-six to one. And then Kansas, as I mentioned, two fifty to one. I mean, the bets there, if you don't want to go Oklahoma because it's not great value, the bets to make are Iowa State five to two and TCU 14-1. to Those are the best bets on the board in terms of actually having value. The best overall value bet is TCU at 14-1. to If things click, it's going to be pretty there at TCU. Defense, offensive line, the wide receivers. Quentin Johnson may be the most underrated wide receiver, as Jalen Rager was a couple of years ago for the Horned Frogs. And, you know, they just didn't have the guy to get Jalen Rager the ball a couple of years back, and he still ended up as a first-round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. So, uh, Quentin Johnson, I don't know if he's Jalen Rager, but he is probably the least talked about wide receiver who's got an incredible upside there for the Horned Frogs. If things click for Gary Patterson's team, it can be special. But, you know, they've had three straight seasons of mediocrity is the problem. I want to say that West Virginia at 25-1 to has some value. And I'll tell you what, and I talked about this at, at Big 12 Media Days, Neil Brown had a pizzazz, a confidence uh, to him that I have not seen. Kind of a confidence that said, and he was tweaking Texas at media days. You know, there was, I told this story during the podcast we did at Big 12 Media Days, but he told a great, he was tweaking Texas because, you know, he's up there at the podium, he's getting all these questions from, you know, Joe Schmo at hook'em.com, Austin American Statesman, every other, you know, 15 different Texas outlets, which is fine. I mean, they got a huge fan base, so they've got a lot of media outlets. But finally, he got a question from a non-Texas outlet, and Neil Brown says to the entire Big 12 media, well, it's nice to get a question from someone that's, you know, not affiliated with the Longhorns. And it was like, yeah, he went there. He just had a confidence and an aura about him at West Virginia that I haven't sensed during his time there. And I, I picked up on it, I noticed it, and I thought it was something that was uh, very interesting as we get closer to the season and we start seeing how guys are feeling about their team. Now, everybody's confident, but just Neil Brown had, had something going there that I, uh, I picked up on, I noticed, and I want to say that 25-1 to 1 provides value for West Virginia. I, I really want to say it, but the reason I struggle with it is because of the quarterback. Jared Dagey is such a statue, and he's just not a good enough passer. Now, his wide receivers didn't help him out last year. I mean, it drops all over the place. Sam James is still dropping balls from 2020, but uh, he's just not efficient enough in the passing game from what I've seen to justify being such a statue that he could get you, you know, to the top two or three teams in this league. Now, we've also heard from Neil Brown that he loves the growth from Daigie this offseason. So that may be something that changes the case, uh, changes the game once again for him here. And if it does, then we'll be proven wrong. You've got Letty Brown in that backfield. you got a good defense. Uh, you had the best defense of the Big 12 last year. 
But, you know, you lost some guys. Darius Stills, you lost uh, the cornerback Smith to Georgia. So you lost some key players there. But if you can maintain that defense and you can pick things up specifically in the passing game, then maybe the Mountaineers are that team. But I can't do it until I know that the quarterback position has improved enough to justify it. I can't. And I say the same thing about Oklahoma State at 14-1. to I've got to figure out what Spencer Sanders is. I like the defense. I think the running backs will actually be A-OK. They may not have that Chuba Hubbard star, but they're going to have a good stable of running backs. But I want to know if Spencer Sanders can take that jump. And it's interesting about these guys that are heading into their third years as starters. Like, Daigie started end of 2019, didn't make great strides last year. Sanders started in 19, didn't make great strides in year two. But you've got to factor in the COVID angle. You go from year one to year two as a starter, not having the spring ball, the summer camp, games getting canceled, that is a tricky spot for a quarterback who's trying to make progressions from year one to year two. So this has really been the offseason that a guy like Daigie, a guy like Sanders, even a guy like Max Duggan, you can put him in that same category because, you know, he really has been in that same category where he didn't get to make those same strides at TCU from year one to year two because of all the COVID issues. So which one of those three quarterbacks, Daigie, Sanders, and Duggan, which one of those three guys makes the biggest jump from year two to year three? That will determine the the second, third spot in the Big 12 this fall. And that's what makes this, you know, really fascinating. Now, if you want to go way out on a limb, way out on a limb, if, if uh, Shuck at Texas Tech, if this guy is actually a top 10 pick that some people are projecting him to be, Tyler Shuck, the quarterback from Oregon who transferred to Texas Tech, if he's really top 10 material, and Matt Wells rebuilding his coaching staff and, you know, getting that thing back in order. A lot of pressure year three. If you want to just, you know, have some fun with Tech exceeding expectations. I'm not saying I pick them to win the Big 12 at 66-1. to one, But if you want to pick them on the over uh, when it comes to, you know, wins in the Big 12. And I think Tech is set at five and a half. That one I would hammer. That one I would hammer. And if you want to have fun, go with the 66-1. to one. I mean, hey. Live a little, right? Have some fun with that. Enjoy life and, and go from there. So those are the new odds for the Big 12 as we get ready for the season here. Um, on the recruiting trail, something to note. Lincoln Riley said it here on Wednesday. He explained why he'll recruit fewer high school players. And he was talking about it. And he said, quote, in the end, it's not our intent, but it's certainly going to be less high school guys signed. I think that's going to be everywhere. And he went on to talk about how, you know, the transfer portal has changed things. You've got 25 initial players you can have, uh, first-year players you can basically have come into your program. So with that number staying at 25, it used to be, hey, I've got two cornerbacks I'm looking at. I'll take them both to get the 25 and hit my quota. Well, now, unless you're certain about a guy coming out of high school, why would you take him when you know the transfer portal is going to open up thousands of options, literally thousands of options for a team. And it will open up in a way that, and it has opened up. Look at Oklahoma, Eric Gray at running back, um, Wenya Smith at left tackle. 
Uh, I mean, go back to Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. I mean, no one knows transfers and has used transfers successfully more than Lincoln Riley. So that changes the game in a big way where you're not just going to add a guy because you can, because you have the numbers. You're going to actually have to justify doing it, and you're going to have to go out there and say, well, there is there value here? What's the upside? Because if not, I'll leave it open, I'll look for a possible transfer, and I'll just do it that way. And that'll be that, and I, you know, I'll see what I can get in the portal. And that's not a bad way to go about doing it. In fact, it's a smart way to go about doing it for these guys. So it's just something to keep an eye on as the game continues to change here. And and that is uh, the way of the future. There's no doubt about it. That is the way of the future. And you can't even debate it at this point. So that's just uh, an interesting note on the recruiting front for Lincoln Riley. And it also tells you that the rankings, the recruiting rankings that we love to use and talk about, they will be less valuable as well for that very reason, because the transfer portal guys don't count when you do those recruiting rankings. So just something to consider here as the sport continues to evolve moving forward. Um, I'm Pete Mundo. HeartlandCollegeSports.com, of course, is the site that you want to be checking out here as we approach the season. Thank you to you guys. And we're I think we're at 470 ratings on iTunes. I want to get to 500 by the season. If you could leave us a rating and a review, hit that subscribe button as well. And um, if you want a free koozie, send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll get the koozie in the mail for you guys. Can't thank you enough. We'll talk to you soon. We have a a guest planned for next week. We didn't this week. Uh, Got a little sidetracked on some things. So we'll have a guest next week, and then the season starts the week after that. Can't wait. All right, you guys have a great week. We'll talk to you soon on heartlandcollegesports.com.